0: the position that we are in as far as being dead to sin and we have come to life new life and the power of sin is broken the penalty of sin has been paid and then somebody like maybe one of us might ask how can I believe that how can I believe that because the power of sin does not seem to be broken in my life It seems like I'm always battling with sin. And we have seen already that here's the fact of the matter, that we've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I or we who live in Christ, but He is Christ that lives in me, and that is the new me, the new man, is Christ who's living in me, is dominating my new man he is the one that i live to that's god if we died with christ we believe that we also live with him so we are to consider ourselves what to be a new man consider ourselves to be alive to god uh know this consider it Yield to that, and that's what we'll be getting to today, Uh, a new man that is dead in descent. And we keep repeating that over because we need to hear it. Um, The old man, the one who was an Adam, no longer actually reigns over us. And he cannot, and we'll be going over that a lot today there. These are remarkable thoughts. It may seem really basic, but uh, the depth of it is mind-blowing. It's just tremendous. Uh, That's where we left off last week with those remarkable thoughts. We have to realize that the old man died, and we are in union with Christ. We're in Christ as a new man. The power of sin has been broken. And you're still asking, I don't understand that because I still really struggle, Dennis, Well, Paul addresses the conclusion that the readers would uh, come to in verse 11, uh, which is where we left off. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin. That's a fact, and we said that has happened, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And I have a struggle, and it seems like the struggle with sin, it seems like it has dominion over me. How can the new self that we now are in have dominion over sin? How is that? We we have to ask that. Somebody might say, you know, it's really hard for me to believe that I'm a person who no longer possesses a sin nature. What happened to the old man or the old nature? Old nature died. It's the same as the old man might say, it's hard for me to believe that I'm a person who no longer is a victim of the old man. It's hard for me to believe that. Or it's hard for me to believe that I, I died. And the passage says, nevertheless I live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Not I, but I still sin, Dennis. What do I do with this? That would be the question. And I will tell you, the conflict is furious. It is a real, mighty struggle. And a lot of times we lose. That's the reality of it. It's the present reality. We don't lose all the time, but sometimes we do. And it makes us wonder, how can this kind of passage be so? How can I believe that? Well, when you read this and you understand this, chapter 5, 6, 7, and 8, go on and on, but those are passages that deal with the reality. And uh, Paul spent some time building this up in chapter 5, the old man, the new man, Adam in Christ. And now he's come to a great conclusion of it all, After five and a half chapters, we have dealt really with doctrine, theology. It's something that is real, but it really doesn't include us. You see, there is monarchism where God does it all. So in salvation, mono means one. Monarchism, mono, God, God alone, right? You remember those phonographs? Record players that used to be called uh, not stereo, but mono monographs. Can you believe that they did? They weren't in stereo. Then stereo came out. That's, that would be kind of like a synergism. Synergism is where we work with God, but in salvation and everything that has happened, He's done it all. That's your great doctrinal word for the day: monergism. By the way. I dare you to go on internet and look up monergism.com. Monergism.com. And they have just amazing uh, material there by some of the greatest writers, preachers ever. Uh, the old, the dead, the ones that are still preaching, teaching. Uh, great stuff there in their audios, their books videos you name it it's fantastic was opened up to us there so uh, I will tell you what we have learned so far is objective truth no matter how much you feel it or experience it which it seems way beyond that and it is it's great theology it's absolute truth whether you feel it or not doesn't matter We now enter, though, into the practical realm, which we have not been. We have not been into what would be called uh, something that deals with the practical or sanctification. We're going to deal with sanctification today, along with doctrinal theology. And how it's applied how do you apply this great high theology that we've been reading and studying for five and a half chapters or or actually i guess you could say yeah we're getting close to the end of chapter six almost six chapters uh there's two extremes of course how we look at this One can be very doctrinal, and I've got a feeling probably some might think that that's all we are, and it's all dealing with theology and the brain, and uh, it's all something about thinking. It's all dealing with the intellect. And that is not why Scripture is given to us just to have intellectual reasoning. But it's to be able to take this doctrine first and then apply it to our lives, to actually use it to live it. So it's not just about doctrine. It is now about, okay, how can I live this that has been given to me, right? How does this mean to me? Always, there's doctrine first before God tells you, do this. Because you can't do this unless you are in the position of doctrine. So uh, there is the problem, though, with doctrine only. uh, If you're into just practice itself, then the doctrine means nothing. And that's really what a lot of Christians will say today. The Bible doesn't mean anything to me. And then I have to question if they really are a Christian then. It's what I get out of it and how I can live this. Uh well living is important, but you're not going to be able to live the Christian life if you don't know this doctrine what is doctrine. It means teachings. Teachings of who? Teachings about God, about Christ. If you have that now you can live this and that's the idea. Now. In verses 12 through 14, which is where we're at today, there is a logical sequence. We have studied chapter 6, 1 through 11. It's shown us our position, as previous verses have done. And what it does say is this. It's impossible that sin should reign in you. Did you hear that? It's impossible. You can say, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in trouble. You'll notice I did say in us, or the one who is in us, or, or that new man. I'll clarify that a little bit further. But what is possible, though, is that sin can reign in our mortal bodies. That's where it's at. That's where our problem is is at. The exhortation here to us is that sin must not be allowed to reign where? In our mortal bodies. We have a new man. Sin doesn't reign over him. But sin does reign in these bodies. So after arguing... In verses 1 through 11, as Paul has set up here, he cannot turn to us suddenly and then say, therefore, in the light of all this, let not sin reign in you. And it seems like that's what is being said. But if you read it carefully, it is not sin reigning in us. It's sin reigning in the mortal body. And that's exactly what Paul is saying. You yourself, the new you, you are dead to sin. It's finished. That is done. You're finished with sin, you new man. However, the battle is against the body of sin. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Let's uh, grab that text. Let's read it. And let's try to get to the depth of what uh, the Spirit's going to teach us as we read it. Invite Him to come in and teach us this passage. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, For you are not under law, but under grace. Let's pray. Father, may we take heed to your scripture by allowing your Holy Spirit to fill us today with your truth. Your truth here says that we're dead to sin, and yet we are to kill the lusts and to use these bodies as instruments. So help us, Lord, as we are dead to sin, but yet we are trying to kill sin that is in our bodies it tries to master over us. In Jesus' name, amen. So a question would be for a young Christian, I would be, is why am I still sinning? I thought it was over and done with, right? it is rather difficult to explain. And you remember, there was a question that Paul had to answer when we started chapter 6, and he's still answering that. What should we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? You remember that, right? And he says, no, no. And what he does then is he explains it all the way, and we've seen it here now, And that will conclude it as we finish this section, section one of chapter six, which has taken us a few weeks here to deal with, right? Um, The very first part here is what we're going to go into is there are about... I think I've got five parts here. You'll notice as we read it, he says, number one, here is what we are to take heed to. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body. That's the first point we're going to look at. This is easy to break up. Verse Verse 13 says, do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin. The third one is a positive one. Present yourselves to God. And um, we have instruments of righteousness, right, that we present. And then the last one is sin shall not master over you or reign over you. So we have uh, these, I guess you could say, four specific exhortations in a way. But that last one really, we'll find out, is not really an exhortation. And I'm going to leave you hanging on that. Because we have commands here today that we look at that start in verse 12 and 13 that are specific commands. Now, we've already talked about doctrine in the first 11 verses, and then the practical is found in 12 through 14 of this chapter. It's called sanctification. We have gone through and we have covered justification. Paul has very well. Have you noticed that justification is becoming a word that you're now understanding even more than ever? And we're now going to look at sanctification. Justification is a one-time happening. It's past tense. You are not to be justified over and over and over again. That's already happened. You're declared righteous. But the next one is a process and it's called sanctification. A sanctimonious word. Sounds real, religious hierarchy. Sanctuary. Sanctified. Sanctus. Sanctus real. It's a group. <laughs> um, sanctified. Actually, it's actually taken from. Uh, holy, sanctified to be uh, made holy. God said, be ye holy, or sanctified, for I am sanctified or holy. He's holy, he wants his people to be holy. And he'll do whatever it takes to make you holy. Everything that he uses is making you holy or set apart by God to live holy lives. So, there is the practical sanctification aspect. Now, let's break this down a little bit and let's ask this. What is sanctification? What are the principles of sanctification? Well, number one, sin is not dead in Christians. Have we covered that well enough. We know that, don't we? It's not dead. But we've already heard that we are dead to sin. Number two, sin's hold on us is located in the body. Uh, Back in Romans 6, verse 6, Knowing this, and that's what stems from all of this, you have to know this. This down. Understand this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be dealt with. So that we'd be no longer slaves to sin. Uh, sin's hold on us is in the body. Number three, sin can not only be in the body, but it can reign in our bodies to rule. Uh, basileia, it's dealing with king, kingdoms, that kind of thing. That's, that's the root word of that. Um, sin can reign. It, it can dominate in our bodies. But I do want to come back on the other side. It cannot dominate in the new man. But it can dominate in this flesh, in this body. That's three of them. That's the principles of sanctification. These are important to know. A fourth one is that sin does not need to rain. So we're saying it's raining. and say, so what can I do about it? Just let it go up and do its thing, right? No, it doesn't have to... You don't have to sin. It doesn't have to rain. And that's where uh, Augustine came in with the thought of passe, which is possibility, possible. Non is not, right, none. Passe non peccari, which deals with sin. So what do we have there? The possibility to not sin. Before we came to Christ, we did not have that. What a difference was made whenever you became a believer in Christ. You now have the possibility to not sin. Uh, On the other hand, we have an alternative. We have the possibility to sin. We have both now. Before we became a Christian, there was only one. You just sin all the time. That's all you are. That's your nature. So, passe peccari would mean the possibility to sin. And passe non picari the possibility to not sin. I like that one real well, don't you? Mm -hmm. And we have that. Um, My will is now involved in this text here. My will is involved. As I, as I look at this, uh, look in verse 2 of Philippians 12 and 13. <clears throat> See, before we came to Christ, we had uh, people will say free will. Well, the free will is to do what your inclinations and what is natural to you so you will do those things to satisfy the flesh. You do it. You do it all the time. And there's sin after sin after sin. It's your whole nature, right? <clears throat> That's the only free will you have to continue in the nature that you're in. But if you have a new nature, you've been set free, and now you have a free will to choose things that are right and wrong. You can do right, whereas before you couldn't, and now you can your inclination now is what your new man is, your new nature. Now, Philippians two twelve says this, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, who is at work in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. You know what God's will is? Your sanctification. And we'll probably read that in a moment. First Thessalonians uh, talks about that talks about God's will. Here's God's will, your sanctification, your being set apart to be made holy. Uh, his good pleasure, both to will and work for his good pleasure. His good pleasure only comes to the surface is seen as your will is activated in accord with his. That's by John MacArthur. I'm gonna say that again. His good pleasure only comes to surface as your will is activated in accord with His will. And the more and more you know what His will is, you want to do His will. How many Christians do you know, I don't want to do God's will? Would you question their salvation and say, I don't want to do His will? I don't care. I would say that that person needs to examine themselves to see if they're in the faith. Because a true Christian does want to do God's will, but there's a lot of times when he really battles it, and Romans 7 really gets into the depth of that, and we'll probably cover just a little bit of that. But, did you get Philippians 2? God works in us, and what do we do? We work it out. You notice for salvation we didn't do anything. It was all him. Monarchism. After we're saved, it's now synergism. We are working it out, what He has worked in us. We're working with Him. We're working with His Spirit to do His will. Our will becomes His will. Don't you like that? Number five, trying trying to get the idea of sanctification, principles of it. Our bodies can be instruments of righteousness. And this is the thrust of the passage today. It's what Paul is urging us to do. I want to tell you, if if the church today would only read this this chapter, the body of Christ, the whole body of Christ, they would get a lot of things solved because a lot of people really don't understand this sin that we battle with, and they struggle. And they finally just give up. I can't. I can't do it. I try hard as I can. I feel for them because they haven't. Ex- they don't know about God's grace versus His law, and they're trying, trying it. They're very much. They're trying to beat the body down without any help. They're Christians. The help is there, but they're not calling upon it. They're not paying attention to the Word of God. They're not paying attention to this text right here in 12-14. through You want to have victory over sin? Here we go, right here. We're at the heart of it. It's nothing magical at all. There's no seminars that you need to go to. Just put yourself into this text and really read it, what it's saying. Paul now talks about the mortal body in our Romans 6 here. Most of our time is going to be in this, this one verse in Romans 6, there in verse 12. You notice he does start off, start off with therefore, because of this. Because of what? Well, all of the doctrine of chapter 6, even 5, and, and all of Romans so far. But therefore, as he has said, even so, consider yourselves to be dead and alive to Christ. Dead to sin and alive to Christ. Dennis, I know. You've been saying this for weeks and weeks. You're not tired of it, though, are you? Because he says, think about it. He says, know this, in verse 6. And then in verse 11, he says, consider or reckon. I like that word, reckon. It reminds me of Jethro Podine. If you ever followed that show, The Beverly Hillbillies, and some of you have no clue, you say, what? Well, on those old channels, they'll probably have that show somewhere. Some of you are saying, well, absolutely, of course, we know the Beverly Hillbillies. Jethro Bodine, he was a good reckoner, wasn't he? I reckon so. Sounds like hillbilly language from, uh, can I say Arkansas? (laughs) Southern Missouri, or you say Missouri, and people say, do you guys wear shoes there? Have you ever heard that one? (laughs) We go around barefoot all the time, right? Because
1: we are like Arkansas. They wear
0: No shoes, right? Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Now we're getting close here. We're getting close. (laughs) Okay, mortal. What does mortal mean? Mortal bodies. Mortal is dying, is death. It's corruptible. Corruption. It's the humanness. Our humanist, the flesh, are you getting the idea? It, the body itself, and we'll find out, is not evil in itself. And uh, there are parts of the body that we'll get to here. He said, I don't understand this, my body, my body. Paul has a very balanced, down to view way, uh, down to earth view here, this way that he has to describe it, of how to be holy and righteous. Because there's all sorts of things. If you just try a little bit harder, you'll do this. If you try to quit that, you can do it. You know, we're behind you. We're praying for you. You pray, you pray, and you pray, and you pray. You hate, and you still do it. Well, Paul knows exactly that him being human has that same problem. Verse 11 says to reckon yourselves, your new man, when it says you, That is who you are. You are now in Christ. The problem is that you still have to be in this body. Uh, He he says to reckon yourselves as dead to sin, alive to Christ. Now he tells us how to give the expression to this reckon yourselves, reckon ourselves to this principle. Are you getting it? Does that make a sense? He's going to tell us how to do this. It's by what we do with our bodies. Well, what does this mean? Well, the answer comes by, back up into verse 11, considering. Or verse 6, knowing. And he's going to get into that next word, yield, in our text here today. Know. What's the next one? Reckon, or consider, and then yield. That's that's where we're at. So what does it mean? Well, the answer comes by considering the body's parts. What? The body's parts? Yeah, consider those body parts and the potential they have to do good or evil. Consider that. Your body, you're always making a choice. It's your will to do such and such a thing, and it's going to take body parts to make it happen. So if somebody ever asks you, well, how do I stop sinning? <laughs> take them to this text. I can't think of any better place to be than what right here. This is so practical. So, he, you know what he's saying here verse 12? Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal, mortal body so that you obey its lust. Obey its commands. Lust. It's having sinful desires. Whatever that is. Any sin is lusting. I mean, it's come before you and you just, mm, you just can't hardly pass that temptation down. A piece of chocolate cake comes up. And man, is it hard to pass that up, unless, of course, you are allergic to chocolate. And then again, you may even want it more than ever, but you can't eat it because, and some of us here don't like chocolate, so what? just take <laughs> There are actually people in our congregation that actually do not like chocolate. So that's where my example just breaks off. But you get the idea, right? There are other things that I can mention, and I am not going to do that right now. <laughs> We, who knows? Just think of the sin that you have to deal with and think about it. Think about consider, Consider about using that body rightly at that time. Your hands rightly, right? So it says that we have to deal with it, doesn't it? Do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. He's not saying do not let sin reign in you. Do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. Uh, If we expose all the entertainment, all the different avenues that are out there that tempt us, if we expose the sin and everything, our body, if we expose that to temptation, you're in trouble. Well, we're saying, you know where you have trouble with the sin at, and James tells us that. We all have our own battles, our own particular sins. A lot of us are alike in certain areas, and a lot of other areas, I don't want to trouble with that. Never had. Okay. Uh, like alcohol. I don't battle with alcohol at all. I never really wanted it. I why should I want something that I don't want? I'm not going to battle with it. Because I don't need it, and I don't want it. and matter of fact, it turns me off quicker than anything. I hate the smell of it. To me, there's nothing good about it. I don't want it. But there are others who really have a taste for it. And they'll do whatever they can to get it. But yet when it, they say, i got to stop, I know it. It's destroying me physically. I'm going to die. My liver is going to destroy me. And we go on and on. There are physical things with it, and it just destroys your life and people's lives around you, and it just goes on and on. It never quits. It just keeps on giving consequences. But why do I say that? I'm I'm saying, you have your own particular sin, and it's a... stop it. Your mind says, you know, I need to be renewed here and... uh, I know that I'm supposed I can actually have control over this. I have the power to beat this. I really do. And it has a potential for evil, but it can be stopped. So what we're gonna do is look in Romans six, nineteen for a moment. Remember this don't let your body control your new man, is what the idea is. Look in verse nineteen. I am speaking in human terms. I'm putting it down on a lower shelf here because of the weakness of your flesh. This is deep, but I'm going to bring it down to where you can understand it because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members, your members... That's body parts. As slaves to righteousness. Resulting in what? Sanctification. He uses that word in holiness. It results in... Your members. keep. We're going to associate with members and body and show that it's the same. The flesh. The old man. All the same thing. Oh, let's go with some more verses. Chapter 7, verse 18. And here we go. With that Romans 7. And we'll be there... Sometimes, so now, no longer uh, am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. Where, where's that? Dwells in me. The me there is something different than the, the, the new I. Verse 18, for I know that nothing good dwells in me, and then he explains it, that is, in my flesh for the willing is present in me to to not do that. But the doing of the good is not. So, uh, I've got this battle, he's saying, uh, go to verse 20, but I am doing the very thing I do not want. Do you recognize that? I am no longer the one doing it, but sin, which dwells in me. That means my new man does not sin because... The, he does not, uh, He ha, there is no sin reigning in him. He's a new creature. Sin is no longer held over him. So what's the problem? He says, it's sin which dwells in me. Sin, the flesh, the body, the humanness. Move on to verse 23. But I see a different law in the members of my body. Are you getting it? Members meaning the parts. Make up the whole body. Members of my body. Waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. The law of sin is in the body. But we have a new spirit man. We have a body that's presenting a problem here when it's tempted. Right? What we're going to do is go to 1 Corinthians 9, 27. Here's where it actually gets into action. Paul says... But I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. He says, I discipline my body. Uh, In there, he's been talking about competing in the games. In verse 25, exercising self-control in all things. In verse 24, he says, don't you know that I run a race? We all run this race. We want to win win the prize. He says, run to win. Win in this Christian life. Don't you want victory in the Christian life, right? And Paul says there, I compete in the games like the Olympics, right? To get a, a perishable wreath. It'll die. It was made of, you know, it was woven. It was like plants, what have you, you know, leaves. That they would die. They, they perish. But we have an imperishable one. It will not perish. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, just... But you want a box to be able to able to hit what you're after right? And what does he do? I discipline myself physically to do that whenever I if I'm an Olympian and I'm training, I want if I want to win, I better take this seriously. I saw something like that this week I believe on uh, I believe Facebook. It's about disciplining. Uh, if you work out. If you're an athlete, right, discipline your body. Mm -hmm. You really have to do that to be in shape, to compete, Mm -hmm. to take it seriously. Paul takes it to the spiritual sense, and I beat my body down. Now, it's not that he's, you know, know, pummeling himself, Mm -hmm. making bruises all over his body. Uh, He has enough people already doing that to him every time he goes to the next town. But what is he saying here? I'll do whatever it takes to discipline myself spiritually so I won't disqualify myself before others who see me. They know I'm a Christian, but I'm doing unchristian things. Your own witness is blown. and Maybe for the rest of somebody's life, they might be destroyed by the fact they saw you do something that was not a Christian and you go around with the mouth saying how much you're a Christian and witnessing about him and you blow it. And it really messes it up. It starts with the people in your family, in your church. Boy, it affects everybody there, all the little kids, whenever there's been sin by somebody and somebody continues, the little, the kids ask, what, what's wrong? It's a shame that that happens. And then the adults are saying, what's wrong with that person? We don't like that, do we? We hate that kind of thing. And we don't want to destroy anybody's lives because of my sin, right? So it says here he doesn't want to be disqualified, he disciplines. And that's what Paul did. That's how he battled the sin. Well, what did he do to do that? He said, well, there's something that you can do. People say, what can I do? I've tried everything. Well, try scripture. Have you tried scripture? <laughs> What does it say in Romans 12, 1 and 2? Everybody want to take a venture of that? Therefore, after 11 chapters of doctrine,
1: we really
0: get into sanctification. We're just getting a glimpse of it where we're at now in chapter 6. Chapter 12 starts the sanctification section huge. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, To do what? To present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God which is your spiritual service of worship. We don't present the oxen, the calves, the lambs anymore to God, do we? See, he, Christ presented Himself at the cross. But today we present ourselves to Christ. We present everything. We present our bodies to Him so that we it can be acceptable to Him for worship. We used our bodies this morning, and we're using them right now. You know that? To worship God. Do you know when you're reading the Bible, like right now, that you're worshiping God? And did you know He accepts that? Did you know he's pleased with that? He loves it when we seek after his will and his truth in the Bible. Look at verse 2. And here's where we're getting at. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Be continually being transformed by the renewing of your mind why so that you may prove what the will of god is that you know and will do that which is good and acceptable and perfect the will of god when you say oh i know what the will of god is it's not what i'm thinking here it's this and i know it because it's true that it's in scripture and now i want my will so you know it you believe it, and then you yield your body now to God's will. It's your will lining up with God's will. As He works in you, you work it out. Has that verse, those two verses come into play for you now? Does that understand is that helpful? Um, we have to deal with it. What, what to do with your mind? What you ever do with your mind what your actions are going to be. How you think, and that's where it starts, it starts with the mind. Renew your mind. What you think is going to be how you act. When people behave badly, they thought badly. Their minds, their brains, God has given us a part of the body to reason. There's an intellect there. Now, We are to fill our minds or renew our minds with a part of the body. It's our brains. It starts with there. Actions don't come out of just doing it. You know, like a reflex. Somebody hits you in the back of the knee and you go like that. You just reflect. No, the thing is, is that you think. You be thinking. If you've not been dwelling in the Word, you'll be thinking on what the culture is today and what the world offers in all the ways. That can be simple. The movies, the TV, the social media. Are those bad? Not necessarily. They're just instruments. How do you use them, right? What do we do with them? If you feed your mind on those things that are not right and not biblical, watch out. If you feed your mind on the Bible, and you're in His truth, you know, there are times when we're in it, and then there are times when we may not be in it. It might be because time has gotten away from us. Or it might be because we put ourselves into a situation that keeps us from Scripture. Being around people who do not encourage Scripture, they actually make fun of it, or they don't see any reason for it. And so we have to feed our mind upon God's Word. Your mind matters. If you're not in His Word, then you're going to be conformed by the world. Be transformed, it says here, by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed. Don't be shaped into the pattern of this culture. What's your world view? You know what's going on around in our world today? You know, the whole socialism and Black Lives Matter and all of that stuff and all that junk, uh, one world government, one world religion, and all that stuff that uh, we hear about, we know that's coming. Uh, it's good to know about it, but you're not... You're not in that. You don't like that, do you? Why? Because you know it goes against your worldview. You have a worldview that's shaped by Scripture. And you hate what's going on in our communities, in our schools, in our local governments, just even around here, in our state. Uh, We've had a lot of good things happen, and we praise the Lord over that, and then our, our nation, and then in the world. And if you have a view that comes from Scripture, you go, I know exactly what's going on. And we as Christians should stand up for truth, but don't be dismayed by it all, because God is behind it all. He's sovereign. That's a good way to think, isn't it? So where does all of this start with the mind? Let's go from top to bottom. The next one would uh, would be your eyes. What do your eyes see? Be careful, little eyes, what you see. (laughs) Uh, Some of you might have learned that as a Sunday school song, right? Be careful. Uh, In 1 John 2.16 it says, The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. The eyes see something really good, and all of a sudden your body part goes to something where it shouldn't be shouldn't be seeing that or ears hearing things that shouldn't be heard there's language out there today that uh, you know the world is not ashamed of some of the language that it now uses and it's all over the place all over television all over the internet they have four letter words on there i didn't think would ever be allowed and they're there Uh, take god's name in vain that's just on social medias how far can it go? I know it is a, a tremendous battle. You go, I didn't even want to hear that. That sounds awful. I hate that I looked there uh, on the on the word there that's printed out, and I hate it, right? It's hard to miss sometimes. That's why you want to make sure of the people that you get on your Facebook or any other kind of social media that... They are the kind that don't use foul language, don't use foul-looking pictures, and on and on and on. Um, We receive impressions through the eyes and the ears, and they make an impact. So do you see where sin is at? How does it attack us? Through the mind, get us to be thinking. But then if we're thinking right, we say, no, I want that. This is how you beat sin. Um, If we see or hear things that are bad, we don't duplicate that and use the language that they use. And, matter of fact, you can start using some language and not even know it. Forbid that happens because it really ruins your witness. Uh, I try to keep Christians on my Facebook because I like for edifying things to pop up. Although now I don't have total control of Facebook and there are all sorts of commercials and everything else that comes on there. And you know, you you just get rid of it, click it, move on. But I'm just saying that's how we can get tempted, our body parts. How about the hands? Yeah, the hands can really get us into a lot of trouble. Um, Hands determine what we do. Ephesians 4.28 says, He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, work, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he have something to share with one who has need. So here's one who steals, and he uses his hands, BAM! here's one who works with his hands, and he does what is good. Even helps people out. Shares with them. So the feet, the hands, let's go to the feet. Ephesians 4.1 says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you, I command you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Now, that's a spiritual walk. But it's a picture of our everyday, ongoing life, walking, or in everyday life we walk and we move like this and we use this to do what we need. It's, these are instruments, aren't they? They are really good. I'm thankful for my feet. I'm thankful for my hands. I'm thankful for my eyes, my ears, my brains, right? I am so thankful. And they can be used for good. And such so that's a good thing. Computers can be used for the good, right? They certainly can be, and there's a lot of great stuff on there. You know, we can use it for God's glory. But uh, our feet, our hands, with our mind, we can figure out what we do and where we go, and we pray that what we do is edifying. What we say is edifying. And if it not be edifying, then don't let it speak. And what you just done is beat the uh, flesh there it, it's used to being angry at people and spewing off and saying well that's just me I, that's what i say anyway and i don't care you just sin by saying that i don't care Well, you just sin again <laughs> i don't care if you don't care that god does care your will is not lining up with god and you're in sin and you better turn that thing around or you're going to be in real trouble if you let that continue to go. Sanctification. John seventeen seventeen, Jesus says this thy word is truth. Remember that? If you look at John seventeen seventeen, in that prayer, it says that you're actually sanctified. Seventeen seventeen, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. He sets us apart and to be made holy by his truth. Are you using his truth? You say, well, I used to read it a lot, and I find myself not really doing it. There's other things I've got to do now. Ooh. Watch out. Watch out, because the enemy is really saying, if I can get away you away from the truth, then how many other things can I get you to do? Go back and do some of those things. And that's why Paul says in Romans, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. And we just covered it, didn't we? From our mind all the way to the feet, the mind, the eyes, the ears, the mouth. Did we cover that? No, we didn't. What can come out of our mouth? Oh, some sinful things. Look at James. Don't have time to go there. But I will tell you that he's talking about the tongue there. And uh, it can be fire. And it can catch a fire and burn and burn. Be careful what you say. Be careful. Be careful. The tongue can destroy. We want to praise. We want to serve God. We want to speak God's words. We want to sing God's hymns. We want to sing God's Christian songs. We want to talk about the things of God. Have we kind of dismissed that lately? Do we talk about the things of God? It's surrounding us always, all these little idle conversations. What is that about? Okay, there was a great basketball game I watched last night in the NCAA tournament. And I could speak on that for hours. Uh, Actually, why don't we just get it about, you know, about uh, a minute and let's move on to truth. Because that's really where everything is really at. It was a great game, though. Let me tell you about it. One of the greatest. Well, gotta get back to this. Illustration, right? Okay, position. What sort of person I ought to be is dealing with sanctification. In the light of God's truth be sanctified by His truth, right? We're sanctified by His truth. Sin not only remains in our bodies, it's there. But don't let it rain. It will rain in our bodies. And by the way, it will not only rain, it will dominate in a Christian's body. Paul gives a command, and he says, you stop it. Don't you let that happen. We have to realize this. Know and consider. Consider that you sin has been defeated in you, so therefore you can control your body. So we covered the body, but we continue to go on in verse 13. Don't get too nervous because I know it's about time that we're going to stop. But that sets it all up for these next two verses. It's still a command. Do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of what? Unrighteousness. They can be used for unrighteousness. Don't go on presenting that. Uh, the mortal body, in which that's the power, the faculties, it's the propensities that reside there. It includes the mental powers, the power of thought and reason and imagination. And he says, "Don't go on yielding to that." It says, "Present or yield." No reckon yield. Know what God has done for us, right? That we're dead. Know that uh, and consider that. Now reckon or yield. No, reckon and yield or present your bodies as living sacrifices. Uh, yield means to put at the disposal of, to allow to be a service of. He says don't let your body to be service to the dominion of sin. Don't let that happen. Did you know we, you, me, ourselves, listen to that for a moment, cannot Yield ourselves to sin. You say, what? Did you catch what I said? Don't yield yourselves, or let's go on a little bit. We can never say that, can we? We can't say that you are under the rain of sin. You could be that, right? Um, but actually you are in Christ. The the you, the new person is in Christ. That will not happen. But at the same time, there is the sin that's in the flesh. So instruments of unrighteousness, And we got that, didn't we? I think we covered a lot of those. Present yourselves to God. It says at the end of verse 13, um, present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead the new man and your members you you have the you and then now you have the members you have a position that you're in that's in christ but you have a body that you're in and he says i want you to present the members of that body and we prove that members is a part of the body as instruments of righteousness things that are right That bring glory to God. Anything which enables God to bring His purpose up to the forefront. His will, right? Okay, we're ready for verse 14. This is not going to take too long. But I want to tell you, when I really thought on this verse, it just opened up like never before. Because we've been having commands in verse 12 and 13. Have you felt guilty enough now? The preacher's trying to ram it down you and give you the law, right? No. It's the law of Christ, but he fulfilled the law. But I do want to say this. We had imperatives in 12 and 13. And then you read 14 and it looks like an imperative, a command. Four. Or, because, he says, present your members as instruments of righteousness, right? Command. And then he says, because sin shall not be master over you. He doesn't say bodies there. He says you. Here's what I want to tell you. You might already have it, but let's emphasize this. Let's get this. This is not a command here in this verse. It is not an exhortation. What is it? It's an encouragement. Do you guys like to be encouraged? We've had a lot of do nots. Just two verses. This time, it's an encouragement. You know what it's saying here? Sin will not have dominion over you. You, the new man. Sin cannot have dominion over you. He has stated, present your members in your body as righteousness, right? And then he says, because sin will never have master or dominion over your new man. It cannot. It cannot right now and can never in the future and all the way into the glory. Did you guys catch that? Because sin cannot be master over you so what you do is you take care of the temptations that your body says, "Ooh, let's do this," and you know it's that's not right because your mind has been renewed. Is all this coming together? Somebody "I just can't stop this." Somebody has trouble with whatever it is, and he says, "I can't. I just can't stop it. I want to," and you give a scripture. Well, I've done this with people, and they say, "I need a book." <laughs> I don't know what else can help you. It says to stop it. Well, I can't. I've been doing it for years and I hate it, but I'm still doing it. Go to Romans 6. Every time. Open this up. Read this. What's your position? And if that's your position, a highly exalted, a child of the King, totally forgiven, and we have glory awaiting us, and we can defeat sin right now, what in the world are we doing lowering ourselves into something that has brought us into the ditch and never does any good for us. Why are we doing that? That's why it's an encouragement because we do the do-nots and we still do. And say, oh, I wish I did not. And we do it over and over and over again so i am keep it in the wall. And it says here, yield your bodies. And he says now, Remember this, you're dead to sin. Sin, it, you're dead to sin. does that mean? It means you can never have it master over you again. Don't let it master your body. That's where sin hangs out. That's really, since it was defeated and killed to us, we're, we're, we're dead to that sin. Where did it go? And then. body, the old man is dead. There's the now, the tyranny has been broken. It will not be allowed to have dominion over you. Paul is not saying that if we do these things, then and what we saw in 12 and 13, if we do these things, then sin shall not have dominion over you. He is not saying that. Most will interpret that, but keep in mind the whole context, and what do we always say? Context, context, context. And he has stayed consistent all the way through this and building this argument, and boom, it gets to the conclusion. And he's saying something we already know. We already read this, but we forget. Oh, he tells me to do this. How can I beat this? Remember, sin will not have dominion over you. Why must I not yield my members to it? The answer is because sin will not have dominion over us. Paul is telling me to do these things because of what is true of me. This is important, folks. It's not a legalism that we're preaching here. We're preaching grace, but living grace. And we're talking about who I am. Remember who you are. Know it. Child of the king. Remember your position. He really tells us this sin is not going to reign over you because it will not be allowed to happen. It's impossible for it to have dominion over you if you are a Christian. And so he closes it out for you're not under law. But you're under grace. Ah. We're either under law, and that means you're an Adam, and you're an unbeliever. Or you're under grace, or in who? Christ. Okay? The law gives us the knowledge of sin. There is no power in the law to deliver. It cannot deliver. It just shows you your sin. It just makes it even worse. If you realize these truths that we have been looking at today, three verses, we can see ourselves as delivered entirely. One day. We'll be raised perfect. I mean, we will have perfect bodies glorified, spotless, blameless, in a glorified position. We're in a sanctified position right now. Three words define you. You are, you have been justified. You are being sanctified right now, and you will be glorified. That's all salvation. We have been saved. We are being saved. We will be saved. Sin has no dominion over you. That struck me whenever I saw that. He's talked about the body, and then he says, Me, if you realize this truth, that you're under grace, sin shall not have dominion, you know, there's nothing more encouraging than this. It's so stimulating, so encouraging, it's so uplifting. I'm not under law. It's not a legalism that we're preaching here. But it's to know the certainty of my final salvation. And that's all a part of this. My glorification. The question in verse 1 is now answered. Shall we sin that grace may abound? Paul, I believe, has answered it very well. The judge has to say, Case is closed. It's obvious. No way! That we sin to glorify God. We are new creations. We know it, we want, reckon it and we yield to God. That's how you have victory. That's the biblical way and if someone says, well here's what it says. Once you do this, if you're talking to somebody and says, well, I just can't beat this sin, I just can't, I, I'm, I'm doing it again. Well, say, okay, I'll pray for you, you pray for it. But I want to tell you, the Scripture says, here's what you do. We spend an hour on what we do. Here, This this is what we do. We had five and a half chapters of what God did. Now He says, here's what you do. That's That's it? That's how you live a victorious life? That's it? I'm telling you, that's it. Know who you are. You're in Christ. That's your position. So know, reckon, or believe it. Know it. Believe it. Yield. Yield to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word of truth. It settles it. It settles everything that we would wonder about what sin is doing to us now, no matter how much it seems so oppressive to us. We have everything pertaining to life and godliness given to us. We have every weapon. Our bodies are weapons. Our bodies are tools. They are instruments. And we can show the very glory of God And you empower us with the Spirit, the Spirit of God. May we be filled with your Spirit fully so that we can counteract all these different temptations that are very hard and very tough. We know that Jesus Christ went through temptation. He knows how it feels, but yet he did not sin. We did we have, we we sin, we know we are dead to sin, and yet as far as what's in our bodies, Lord, we still have the battle, and it'll be happening like that until Christ comes back, but we have to realize that it never has to reign in our mortal bodies. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.